0: Morning, when all the dead in Christ shall rise, I'll have a new body. Praise, praise the Lord, I'll new have a new life. Eternity. Soul in weakness, raised in power, ready to live in paradise. I'll have a
1: new body. Praise, praise the Lord, I'll have new a new life.
0: I'll have a new home. Glory, glory, glory. with the redeemed, never God stand. stand. No more pain, there'll be no more strife Yes, no raising the likeness it of my is Savior, likeness ready to live I'll be land. glad I'll have a new body Praise, Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life Eternal life. Free From every imperfection, youthful and happy I shall be I'll have a new body Praise, Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life With him forever, death will be lost in victory. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Oh, yes. I'll have a new home. Glory, glory, with the redeemed, never stand. There'll be no more sorrow, no more pain. There'll be no more strife, yes, raising the likeness, the likeness, ready to live. I'll be glad, I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life, eternal. A hallelujah morning When the last trump of God shall sound I'll have a new body, praise the Lord I'll have a new life, eternal praise Praise. All bursting saints are shouting Heavenly beauty all around I'll have a new body, Praise praise the Lord I'll have a new life I'll have a new home, glory, be glory, All with a reading, no God to stand. stand. There'll be no more sorrow, no, no more pain, there'll be no more strife. No yes, raising the likeness of this likeness, ready to live, I'll, I'll be, be glad. glad. I'll have a new body, praise, praise the Lord, I'll have I'll a new, new life, each night. Night. Good
1: morning, good morning. Wherever you may be, welcome to the Passion for Christ show. So glad to have you, friend. Hey, I just want to let you know I'm your host, Bruce Kessler, and I'm part of the greatest movement ever, a follower of Jesus Christ, because you see in Him alone I find forgiveness, peace, joy, happiness. I'm blessed beyond measure, more than I could ever deserve. My goal here is very simple. That is to encourage you, friend, along the way to help you find your passion in life, in Jesus Christ. Upcoming in our study section, we're going to be talking about the war, the battle that we are all in. The war, the battle, the fight that we are all in. But first, a few things along the way. And the first is headline news. Get this, a coalition of Texas churches is opposing the state's heartbeat law and promoting the continued legalization of abortion in what pro-life activist Albert Moeller calls a tragic intersection of liberal religion and abortion politics. The 25 Texas churches were designated as Reproductive Freedom Congregations at a press conference in late August by Just Texas, a liberal organization that says the goal of the churches is to eradicate stigma around reproductive freedom in Texas, one congregation at a time. Erica Forbes, the faith and outreach manager for Just Texas, said at the press conference that the designation was the first of its kind in the entire country. Significantly, the designation came one week before a state law took effect that prohibits abortion if an unborn baby's heartbeat is detected. Forbes says the goal of the congregation is is lasting culture change. It's just a new great beginning, she said. designation will recognize Texas congregations working to hold conversations on reproductive health, build trust, respect for women, and remove the stigma on reproductive health decisions including abortion. Reproductive freedom congregations must affirm three principles according to Just Texas. We trust and respect women. We promise that people who attend a congregation will be free from stigma, shame. Our judgment for their reproductive decisions, including abortion. We believe access to comprehensive and affordable reproductive health services is a moral and social good. Muller, president of Social Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, said labeling abortion as a moral and social good rejects Christianity teachings. Well, get that, folks. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? 25 Texas churches fight heartbeat ban, label abortion as moral and social good. Mm mm mm. Well, get this. We've been talking about this for a few months now. On Monday, the Virginia Supreme Court sided with a Christian teacher in his attempt to stay employed at his school after he was suspended for speaking out against a proposed LGBT policy. The state high court upheld a lower court decision and had ordered Loudon County Public Schools to reinstate Leesburg Elementary School physical education teacher Tanner Cross, who had attended a May school board meeting and spoke out against the proposal, saying it would damage children. The proposal which passed requires staff to use the name and pronouns that a student prefers even if it differs from their birth certificate and biological sex. It also allows students to use restrooms and locker rooms and play on sports teams that match their gender identity. We believe Cross has a strong claim to the view that his public dissent implicates fundamental societal values deeply embedded in our Constitutional Republic." The Virginia Supreme Court ruled in a 14-page decision, you see, Cross was opposing a policy that might burden his freedom of expression and religion by requiring him to speak and interact with students in a way that affirms gender transition, a concept he rejects for secular and spiritual reasons. Under such circumstances, Cross's interest in making his public comments was compelling. Cross was suspended after telling the board meeting in May, I'm a teacher, but I serve God first, and I will not affirm that a biological boy can be a girl, and vice versa, because it's against my religion. It's lying to a child. It's abuse to a child. Get that, folks. Can you believe that? Virginia Supreme Court sides with Christian teacher in transgender policy dispute. Wow. We need to continue to pray and stand for truth, folks. Well, get this. Get this. Israelite archaeologists working on the Israel Antiquities Authority, have discovered a Byzantine-era golden coin depicting Jesus' crucifixion. The coin was one of several artifacts found during an excavation by Ramat Ha-Sharon, a city near Tel Aviv. The rare gold coin was believed to have been minted in 638 or 639 A.D. by the Byzantine Emperor Heraclius. Heraclius is depicted on one side of the coin, while the crucifixion is displayed on the other. The coin also features an inscription believed possibly to be the owner's name. The inscription was made in Greek and possibly in Arabic. Excavation unearthed evidence of agricultural industrial activity at the site during the Byzantine period about 1500 years ago. Can you believe that, folks? Can you believe it? Byzantine era gold coin depicting Jesus' crucifixion unearthed in Israel. Amen, folks. More evidence pouring in of the crucifixion and the power and the knowledge of who Jesus was so many, many years ago. 1,500 years ago, folks. Glory. Hallelujah, folks. Hallelujah. And that's our headline news. For this broadcast. And now this day in church history. Henry Francis Light was desperately ill with tuberculosis and did not expect to live much longer. He had prepared a farewell sermon to preach on the morning of september fourth, eighteen forty seven. That evening he also placed the words of a hymn into the hands of a relative. It remains a popular favorite in many hymn books. Here is the words of the hymn. Abide with me, fast falls the evening tide. The darkness deepens, Lord with me abide. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, help of the helpless oh abide with me we know that song don't we abide with me as falls the eventide the darkness deepens lord with me abide when other helpers Fail and comforts flee. Help, Father, helpless soul, abide with me. Amen, folks. Abiding Him, 1847. And that's this day in church history. Now, folks, we have our thankfulness passage for this broadcast. It's found in Hebrews 13, verse 15. Hebrews 13, verse 15. Through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips that acknowledge his name. Amen, folks. Hebrews 13, verse 15, our thankfulness passage for this broadcast, reminding us to always be thankful to God. And now, folks, we have a little bit of fun in Name That Bible Character Segment. Here is your clue. I am the leaf that the dove brought back to Noah in the ark. What leaf am I? Here is your clue one more time. I am the leaf that the dove brought back to Noah in the ark. What leaf am I? We will reveal the final answer to that tantalizing clue following our study segment. So folks, hang on for that exciting reveal and our final segment of Name That Bible Character. And now, folks, we have our study for this broadcast study segment here. We're going to talk about the war that we are in. Get your cup of coffee. I have mine right here. And uh, just bring up a chair. Wherever you may be in your house, get your Bible. And let us open up the fantastic and powerful Word of God. Folks, we may not realize it. We're in a war, a war for the very souls and our very lives. Jesus talks about the enemy in John chapter 8. In John chapter 8, Jesus says in verse 44, You, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Later on in John chapter 10, uh, Jesus also says that, that Satan has come to steal, kill, and to destroy. Folks, this is our battle. This is the war that we're in. We're facing the crisis of our lives. It's the very souls of who we are. And Satan wants to take your soul and drive it straight into hell. I can't say it any other way, folks. The battle, the war, it's being waged right now. Over your soul, friend. He is a murderer, Satan is. The father of him. He is the liar. And the opposite of that, of course, is Jesus and his powerful words of truth. Jesus underscores this war, what's going on, starting in verse 31 of John chapter 8. Then Jesus says to the Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. This is where we need to be, in the truth, because that's real freedom. Verse 33, and they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? This is the crisis that we're in today. We, people just don't believe that they're in bondage to anything or anyone. Verse 34, and Jesus answered them, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Real freedom is in Christ, but sin enslaves. Why? Because we've given ourselves over to the murderer, to the liar. We believe his lies. We turn our whole life over in bondage and are enslaved to the devil. You're either going to be enslaved to the devil or free in Christ. Those are the two options that exist on the plate as we speak. So if you're in this war, you're in this battle, friend, you need to know your weapons. You need to know what are your weapons. You need to know how you can combat this war that we find ourselves in. The war against Satan. The war against the murder. The war against the liar. The war against his every attempt. The schemes of the devil. The wiles of the devil. The traps and fallings. The pitholes. The snares of the devil. We need to know what our weapons are so that we can... Defeat this powerful enemy. but well, what are the weapons? Well, Paul talks about that. In Second Corinthians chapter six, starting in verse four, he said, But in all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God in much patience and tribulations and needs and distresses, and stripes and imprisonments and tumults and in labors and in sleeplessness and fastings. You want to compare what you're going through, friend, with the life of the Apostle Paul? Well, <laughs> uh, look, at, look at all of the things that he has endured as a minister of God. Stripes, imprisonments, tumults, labors, sleeplessness, fastings. Verse 6, by purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness, On the right hand and on the left. These are weapons. These unseen weapons of God. These are very powerful spiritual instruments. That Paul is talking about. Armor of righteousness. On the right hand. On the left. God has given us all available weapons. That we need to stand up. And win this war. Well, let's answer to the question. Well, what are some of those weapons then? Well, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 3, he tells us this. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God how mighty are they for pulling down strongholds for strongholds is simply a fortress pulling down fortresses imagine castles that you see in europe this is the imagery of the apostle paul is given right here that god's power is greater the weapons of god is so powerful that they break down, they tear down, they pull down. They're mighty in God. You ever watched Indiana Jones? Remember the first movie he was in and he was he was uh it was a scene where he was running away from these Muslim terrorists who were banishing their swords and going, yeah and and He just turns around and pulls out his gun and goes, pow! That's how we think. That's how we think the war that we're in is like. One gun, one weapon, one bullet is enough. No, friend. It's not a movie. It's not like magic. But it's by faith and applying God's powerful words. That these weapons become mighty. Verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But mighty in God. For Pulling down strongholds. And what are those strongholds? Casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Everything that would bring us to a point of decision making. That opposes the, good, the powerful will of God. A lot of times, folks, that is simply, the the problem is selfishness and pride. And there's a whole lot in this this world and in America that we live in that wants you to be number one, wants you to think of only yourself. That just lends itself to even deeper issues of sin and losing the battleground the war of your soul but here he's talking about the power to pull down tear down break down those strongholds casting down those arguments the the, the every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. These weapons are not human design, but they are divinely powerful. But when you use these weapons, when you use the Word of God, when you combine that and apply that into your life, that's. When the supernatural power of God works to defeat Satan and sin problem of our lives. Well, what are some other weapons that we need to know about? Well, some more weapons that we need to know about, friend, is found in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. This chapter from verses 10 through uh 10 through 19, really serves as a how to apply. And let's read it together. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his mind. This is all about Christ. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God. That you may be able to stand against the wiles or schemes or plottings of the devil. But we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, you see that, but against principalities. See, it's not flesh and blood. You're you can't win this war through pills and and drugs and. Your own will. You can't do it. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. This is not something that you or I can handle ourselves. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand. You want to stand one? He says, put on this armor. And what is this? Verse 14 Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication of all the saints. This is the powerful weapons that comes from the hand of God. We've been doing some studying in the book of Isaiah. And if you noticed all of these armor that he's talking about. Verses 14 through 17. You'll see in Isaiah that this is all pointing to the armor that the Messiah will put on himself. And so these are the finished work of Christ. It's the ongoing work that gives you faith in his word in His salvation, in His righteousness, in His truth, in His salvation, in His gospel of peace, it becomes Christ and cross-focused and centered rather than centered on you. This is the power that is demonstrated in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 17. So friend, as we draw to a close, you need to know What are your weapons? And we just touched on a few right here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and Ephesians chapter 6. Go to those. Apply them. Learn what it means. And let the word of God help you stand and stand firm in this war that we are in. That's our study for this broad class. For this broadcast. Glory. Hallelujah friend. Glory. Hallelujah. And now folks. We have the conclusion to. Name that. Bible character. Here was your clue. I am the leaf. That the dove brought back to Noah. In the ark. What leaf am I? Olive. That's right friend. Genesis chapter 8. Verse 10, and he stayed yet another seven days, and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came in to him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off, so Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. I am the leaf that the dove brought back to Noah in the ark. What leaf am I? Olive! And name that Bible character. Well, friend, you too can become part of the greatest movement of follower of Jesus Christ by submitting your life to him in repentance and baptism. And You'll be forgiven, and you'll have a peace that passes all understanding. You'll be blessed beyond measure more than you ever deserve. My goal here is very simple. That is to encourage you, friend, along the way, to help you find your passion and life in Jesus Christ. Glory. Hallelujah visit our website, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com. Well, friend, I want to tell you this. Thank you so much for walking alongside with me during this broadcast. May God bless you.
0: This is my desire to honor you all my heart I worship you I worship you All I have within me I give breath that I take every moment I'm awake Lord have your way in me this is my desire to honor you Lord with all my heart I worship you I worship give you praise. All that I adore is in you, is in you. Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, your way in me lord i give you my heart i give you my soul i live for you alone every breath that i take every moment i'm awake lord have your way in me lord i give you my heart i give you my soul live for you.